I'm Emma. And I am Jenny. And this is Have You Heard Of. It's the podcast where two best friends finally hold each other accountable for all those pop culture recommendations we keep giving each other. This week is my turn, so I'm going to ask Jenny. Jenny, have you ever heard of Speed? I have not heard of Speed at all. You had not heard of Speed at all? I only have heard of Speed from you talking. But oh, I've never, okay. well, before, like, I've heard you talk about it since I've met you, but I've never actually heard anything besides you talking about how much you love this movie. I've never heard of it besides oh. you. Oh, Okay, that's actually a plot twist. I did not expect that. Yes. (laughs) But before we get into that, do you have something else you'd like to say? Oh, yes. Um, I would like to take the spotlight for a second, and I want to talk about a little thing. Spotlight, 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 spotlight. Um, And mine is a genre of media, which is um, recorded, professionally recorded musicals. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, as we, everyone in the world is <laughs> reliving or for the first time watching Hamilton right now on Disney+. Plus. Finally, people are starting to see how valuable and how professionally recorded musicals and Broadway and stage performances work. And when yes. it's well done, yes, it's completely separate from seeing it live. That's a whole other ballgame. But this is incredible i my, i think the first one i ever saw was rent live they mm. i had a dvd that i borrowed for my sister's friend and i was like oh this is what it's supposed to look like because theater can be very inaccessible to a lot of people not only for money but um just accessibility to get there or like i live on an island so even to go and see a lot of professional theater i had to take a ferry and then get accommodations and then get to see it. Even the ticket itself could be too expensive. And so I remember seeing Rent and I was so excited about it. And then the other one I saw was Newsies. And unlike Rent, I, I knew a lot about Rent already and I listened to it a lot. I didn't know really anything about Newsies. I did see the original movie, but that's a lot of it's child actors. Christian Bale rap. Yeah, <laughs> that are singing, but once you see the Broadway version of it, the closer, the before the intermission... Sees the day, right? No, Santa Fe. Oh, okay. I've only ever seen Newsies once. Oh, and he hits that note. If, oh, like, I've got nothing if I don't have Santa Fe, and he hits that high note, and I'm just like, yes, yes. Oh, there's something that musical theater does that no other art form does i truly believe that musical theater is the highest form of art like you have dancing you have music you have acting you it's just it's so powerful and so moving and and i just don't understand people who who advocate against doing pro shots of musical theater because there's a difference between movie musicals professionally shot musical theater and seeing it live so like i have not seen hamilton live um, but I knew people who did either like on Broadway or touring, mm. um, and loved it, but then still loved the pro shot because it was like seeing it live was incredible. You got to see everything. It was so, so show stopping to see that in person. But when you have it professionally recorded, you get an experience that is different. Like it's a different experience every time if only because it's a, a different night and, uh, like theater is lightning in a bottle. It never happens the same way twice. Mm-hmm. And also just because you get that detail and like, all of these performers are putting in this work to give these performances. The designers are putting in this work to like have incredible detail. Like I have seen Anastasia twice. Mm-hmm. 
um, once on Broadway, once in Toronto. And the first time I saw it, I was in the third row. And it was amazing because, like, when I saw it in Toronto, I was much further back. And the costumes are gorgeous and glittering. And they look amazing even from far back. But I remember being in that third row and being like, this embroidery is incredible. These Ooh. jewels are, like, so show-stopping. So when you do a professional recording, people get to see that detail they wouldn't have yeah. otherwise. Like, my seats in Toronto were still great. Um, mm -hmm. And it was an entire, and like I got to see the whole stage. It was awesome. But like, it's just the opportunity with professional recording to see it from a different angle and see it with a, like a lot of intention about what you can what you can see. Yes, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, yes, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber is a person. Uh, <laughs> I love Joseph and Phantom, but Andrew Lloyd Webber, oh boy! But he's always been a really positive advocate for professional professional recordings, which is why like you can see. Love Never Dies and Phantom and like I don't know is there a professional of Starlight Express I don't know but like he is someone who's been a really powerful advocate and I want more heavy hitting theater names like him to start pushing for it because there are a lot of archival recordings of stuff I've totally mm. stolen this spotlight spot from you there are archival <laughs> recordings of a lot of stuff but it is not on the same level as Hamilton but I think it would just be great to be able to access archival recordings because like I don't yeah. obviously I want things at that like dynamic level of shooting where they filmed over mm -hmm. multiple nights, they filmed with audiences, without audiences to get all those different shots, but just like the chance to see it is so important. There's like Broadway.com or there's like the Broad BroadwayNow.com, which you, there are some that you can watch, but they don't just don't have that library that's it's worth just a small catalog. Exactly. And I even remember when I was in musical theater in high school, I would beg the teacher because he would record them but he would never actually like let us have a copy like he recorded just for like the school to have and I was like I want a copy he's like it's not the same I don't care if it's not the same I want to see it if I'm in it I want to see what is happening over here I want to remember what the reactions were to this or my friend um she moved to Alberta and she was in a production of West Side Story nice. and she was deleting it and she, they got a recording of it and they gave it to me as a gift. And yeah, it was just a high school recording and one camera the entire time. But I was so into it. I was so excited. And those dynamics, like even in Hamilton, there's the interludes between songs or there's an extra song that's not even in the soundtrack. So there's things you don't get to see. Exactly. Because people will say things like, oh, well, Hamilton has like all the music in the cast recording and some musicals do, but lots of musicals aren't just songs. Lots of musicals do have like the book and spoken scenes. Yeah. So it is a different experience. And just like, yes, I know it's not the same as seeing it live. That doesn't mean it's not still a valuable experience. And if people, a lot of people who disagree with the idea of professionally shot recordings or else people who don't support bootlegs and I'm like no but you have audiences who aren't able for whatever reason to see it on Broadway and they're gonna seek out a recording one way or another so do you want them to see it on a terrible bootleg like a yeah. camera phone swung under someone's coat that's super shaky and blurry or do you want to see it with proper tracking and cinematography exactly people are still going to see it this is a big thing with any virtual experiences like I like to say yeah, I will watch so many videos of Disney World. I'll still go. Mm -hmm. Not right now. <laughs> Not right now. Please don't. I know they just open, but please don't. <laughs> but you please know what don't I mean. Go. Like, yes. I could watch the Happily Ever After fireworks. I watched it so many times before I went and after I went. But when we were there and we saw it, I weeped. It was so beautiful. World of Color, the, the water show. Oh, oh, right? It's 
it's different. So I want people to embrace professionally recorded musicals and give it the love it needs. Hopefully one day we'll have a giant catalog when we can get younger people who sometimes can only experience these things through streaming to get passionate about musical theater and hopefully make things more accessible and more exciting. So yes. Yes. That's yeah. very exciting. Good, <laughs> good spot. Th- good Thank thing to you. spotlight. Good thing to highlight. Um, and now speed. Speed. Run, 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 run. He does do a lot of running. There's a lot of, there's a lot of vehicle fast movement in this movie. Planes, trains, and automobiles, actually. Actually, actually, actually. Not cruise ships. That's the sequel. Um... We won't get into that right now. Um, I love Speed. We were on the phone last night just for fun, and we were both getting ready to hang up and go watch Speed, and I was like, I love everything about Speed! I think it's a masterpiece. I think it is an incredible action film. I will say watching it in 2020, um, watching him be an incredibly cavalier member of the LAPD was less satisfying than it has has been previously, but I love Keanu Reeves in this performance, and I love the empathy he brings to it and how much... For all of his hotshot showbudding, he cares about people. Um, <laughs> so we can get into like police discussion first. Um, but first thoughts? Yeah. Um, like I said, I had no idea about this movie that at all. That's so wild to me because it is like in my brain a total cultural phenomenon. Probably people have realized I grew up in a little bit of a bubble that I didn't get to experience a lot of these like classic actionish movies like. We were very Disney focused and child focused, except for like Austin Powers, but that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> you can do that one week because I've never seen Austin any of the Austin. I Powers. don't know if you should. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I I, ta- I asked my mom, and she's like, I don't know if I've heard seen that. And then I described it. She's like, Oh no, that sounds familiar. And then I asked my dad, and he's like. I feel like I've seen it. I think I've seen every single Sandra Bullock movie. I was like, this is new information, Dad. Okay. She's like, she's a good actress. This she is, is. I love Sandy B. Right? Um, and so I didn't know anything about it, but it was it was quite exciting. It was very, it was like ongoing. Like I was lying It is bed. nonstop <laughs> adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, you don't get a rest. Usually in action-packed movies these days, there's a little bit of like drama and a little bit of this, but it was just like, action the whole time and I kept being like oh I know what happened oh god that's not what I thought was going to happen oh it was like twists and turns the entire time and I was like anxious was like what's going to happen because their villain is so interesting because he's so scared they're just doing it you know like Mm -hmm. you want to be like why like why 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 like it has kind of a motive ish but it's it kind of is nerve wracking that this could happen to anyone right it's, it's so just, bonkers. Ugh. Um, yeah. I realized that I've been recommending like a lot of action movies to you, or a mm. lot of what you would call genre films, and I. It's funny because like when I think about my childhood, it was really similar. Like it was a lot of, a lot of Disney movies, a lot of movies for kids, a lot of movies that I feel in hindsight bad for making my parents watch with me, even though I loved them at the time. But I'm like they weren't good family movies by any stretch. They were were mm. just like brightly colored things happening on screen um but then I realized like oh yeah my family did definitely instill a love of like not horror actually like no one in my my dad especially is not big on horror my mom a little bit more so um but like we would watch a lot of like old school black and white horror I was very Mm. scared of Bride of Frankenstein but like we did watch a lot of adventure and action movies because my family 
loves movies and with speed it would play i have no idea why all of the time on aptn which is i think the aboriginal people's television network and it would play all the time on aptn which we had growing up i don't i i don't know but i mean it's a good flick and yeah so i was realizing like we were also talking i was like i've seen speed so many times in my life because it was just always on tv Mm. and then as i was watching it before i recommend things to you now i feel like i have to pre-watch them before i recommend them because i keep forgetting about gross stuff that happens that i should warn you about (laughs) so like this movie opened to someone getting a screwdriver to the head and i was like oh my god and then i realized oh i have seen speed probably like a dozen times easily in my life i have only seen speed start to finish once because i would always watch it on tv and we would always come in like 15 minutes in or halfway through but we all love speed so like, i've seen the beginning a couple times then we would like turn it off like i've only seen it start to finish and also aptn would edit out the really gross parts and a lot of the profanity so yeah. i've only seen it start to finish now twice uh well you you mentioned the beginning part but besides that i don't know why this movie is rated r there's like, a lot of fucks okay because i'm like the 90s was a bizarre time well, I was, like, looking at this, I was like, this compared to, like, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunter? I was like, how are these, like, compared? I don't understand. And that's probably another reason why I never really heard about it or watched it is because, like, my parents were really intense with, like, ratings mm-hmm. for stuff. So I never watched any R-rated films. And this is R-rated. Okay, that makes more sense because yeah, the world is a, like, There is a lot of profanity. Um, do you remember what the first R-rated movie you watched was? Just as a, a, side, a side salad? I don't know. I absolutely remember mine. It was the horror movie Hollow Man, um, which I was oh. at a sleepover at my friend's house, and it was a very nasty horror movie called Hollow Man, rated R. We were eight. It scared the you were eight? living day. I know. It was so scary. And, like, I feel like if I watch it now, I wouldn't be scared, because I looked at reviews, and it's apparently very bad, but it's, like, a play on the Invisible Man. He's, like, trying to murder his ex-girlfriend, and there's, like, a lot of scenes where, like, he's invisible, but you can see him, because he's covered in someone's blood. Oh. Remember, like, just going home the next day and being like, we watched The Hollow Man and crying, and my parents being like, I don't know if you're allowed to sleep over at her house anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, it's fine. Her brother also took us to bring it on. So, like, that I was a good like friendship. I watched The Grudge once. Is that rated R? The Grudge? I've never seen it. It's probably rated R. It's extremely depressing, isn't it? I don't remember. I remember... I don't even really remember even watching it. I was at... It was a bunch of people at one of my friends' house in high school. And I remember we watched... It was, like, grade 10. I think it was that movie. And then I went back to my friend's house and we watched Homeward Bound to make us feel better, which it didn't. Oh no! Sometimes my family just watches the end of Homeward Bound to make us make each other feel things. Like we'll but just watch thing, it to cry. But I don't even like remember when that was. I do remember watching the King's Speech, and that was rated R because he said the f word. But I mean, like that's such a lame first R-rated film, especially because it came out like when we were in high school. <laughs> it's just. The I mean, I don't remember what the second R-rated movie I watched was. I just the the image of of the the memory. Like, her parents were watching it, and we were in the basement, and then I remember coming up the stairs and her parents being like, yeah, whatever. You can watch this. I wasn't even allowed to watch Survivor for the longest time. Like, 
<laughs> my parents were like, this is an adult show, just because, like, the first guy who won was, like, a nudist or something. I don't know. Anywho, we, di- we move on. We digress. Speed. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I love Speed, and again, like, it's time for production notes with Emma, because I just, um, let me pull them up. I knew a little bit about how this movie was made, and I was also mm. just having fun reading about it, because I was going to say one thing that is interesting that used to be a fun fact for me now like a okay fact for me is um most of the dialogue was written uncredited by joss whedon what yeah so this is when he was still in his television phase like buffy wouldn't premiere for another couple of years okay um so i knew like he had some writing gigs on roseanne he was going to do toy story in a couple years but he would do a lot of script doctoring like he did script doctoring on the first x-men movie and on this, where... What exact... Can you describe what exactly script doctoring is? Script doctoring is when you have a script that you like, that's mostly working, but there are just parts of it that, like, you bring in a script doctor. Carrie Fisher is actually another really famous Hollywood script doctor, where, like, you oh. would you have someone who is funny or clever or just a good writer come in and be like, okay, we're going to turn this into a joke. We're going to cut up this whole section here. They just come in and they just... They'll trim, ah. edit. So they're not writing the story from scratch um but they're coming mm. in and fixing parts that aren't working oh, I, n- I never knew that was like that makes sense that's a thing but i didn't know that was the name for it that's really cool yeah so a lot and a lot of time it is uncredited because you're not doing huge contributions although like with um so this is written by graham yost who i have never heard of um although he is his latest project is he was a scriptwriter for the movie the grizzlies which i loved oh i haven't seen but i heard good things yeah, it's a, a inspirational sports movie set in uh, Nunavut and about lacrosse, and I love it. Uh, highly recommend. So he also wrote that, so he does have range, and also he's a Canadian writer. He's from Etobicoke, went to U of T, so that's cool. Um, but then he said basically, like, uh, he was aware of, like, other movies about, like, runaway trains, and apparently, like, there was a, an idea shot around in the 60s by Akira Kurosawa, who's a famous Japanese director, about, like, what do you do when you're on, like, an unstoppable vehicle? Um, and so he wrote this script, it was originally called Minimum Speed, which is very funny to me, because that sounds so boring. Yeah. <laughs> They're going the minimum speed. <laughs> Um, they're going actually fast. Like they're going very fast. I looked up what fifty miles per hour is. It's eighty kilometers per. That's hour. very fast. That's like I had to convert because yo, just in case you didn't know, we're Canadian and we don't do miles per hour. And I looked it up. I was like, oh my god! So anytime they're going faster, it's like that. Like especially when they're in like the suburbs. I know because she's like pushing seventy. Yeah, because well, they have to be minimum eighty or they die. Yeah. So, oh my god. Oh my god. It's so fast. So fast. Um, Anyways, so, yeah, we're just going to go run through a little bit about the making of this movie. So Graham Yost wrote this script, did a bunch of workshopping. They brought in one script doctor, didn't work, um, and they, like, had moved into production, were a week out from principal photography, from filming, um, and were like, okay, this dialogue, no offense, Mr. Yost, is not working. And he's like, no, that's okay. I came up with a bonkers story. I'm not good at writing dialogue. And they brought Joss Whedon in and have, like, publicly said, yeah, Joss Whedon wrote, like, 98% of the dialogue in this movie. Wow. Um, which, in hindsight, makes sense. Like, a lot of the the jokes in this movie are very quippy, Whedon-esque dialogue. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, the direct, not the director, oh my god. The villain of this movie gets his decapitated at the end of the movie. Yeah. 
uh, he's saying something like, do you know what the difference is between you and I? And then he gets decapitated and Keanu Reeves says, yeah, I'm taller. Like, that's a very Joss Whedon line. <laughs> uh, okay. What's the main guy's name? I'm horrible with names. Jack. Jack. So when Jack is trying to, like, fix something and he hands the phone to this the civilian who's supposed to repeat and then yes. he says, he swears, and then the civilian's like, um, oh darn. I'm like, yes, Ferris Bueller, that- dude. <laughs> Ferris Bueller dude that is also very like that is also very Joss Whedon and I love that scene too we'll get into it I love everyone on the bus um but that was another change apparently he made where uh Alan Ruck uh I don't know what his character's name is or if his character even officially has a name Cameron from Ferris Bueller um was originally cast to play like a really slimy lawyer type who's just a dick to everyone and he was going to be the one on the bus who died uh. um and Joss Whedon was like, Alan Ruck's, like, a really nice, funny person. How about we make him a tourist instead and actually make him helpful and just, like, someone who's really out of his depth, which I think is a great move. Yes, um, I agree. So, like, say what you will about Joss Whedon, but I do, I do think he made some really valuable contributions to this script because it is just a great action movie. Um, yeah, so, and then what else should I tell you about? Oh, so it was originally pitched and rejected by John McTiernan, who was the director of Die Hard, and he turned it down because oh. he was like, I already did police officer trapped in a building. I don't need to do police officer trapped on a bus. Um, ah. So Jan DeBont, this was his directorial debut, and he was the director of photography, cinematographer on Die Hard. And so he was like, I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll, I want to direct a movie. And so he got to direct his first feature. Uh, I really like Jan de Bont. He hasn't done a ton lately. He did Twister, I think is his other really big movie, um, and Speed 2, Cruise Control. And it was his idea to do one of my favorite things about this movie is it's like three action movies in one. Everyone knows, oh, they're trapped on a bus, but it opens with people trapped on an elevator. I, so the end the beginning, scary. I was like, this is very Twilight Zone. <laughs> like, do 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 That's all I could think. The entire first, like, 20 minutes, I was like, Welcome to dun, dun, the Twilight Zone. <laughs> it is very Tower of Terror in hindsight. Um, it's very Tower of Terror. Like, <laughs> I was like, man, this is a good ride. We're hor- I knew it would be horrible. And also, I never go into an elevator that other people are already in. Crowded elevators, horrible idea anyway. I know, that elevator is so crowded. There's so many people in that elevator. Yeah. Um, Anyways, but that was also Jan DeBont's idea, because he was like, I haven't directed a movie before, but I did help shoot Die Hard, which has a lot of scenes in elevator shafts. So he was like, okay, can we have, like, the first scene in the movie be an elevator scene? Because I feel very confident about my abilities to direct that. So good for him, and playing to his strengths. Um, and then just, like, a couple other things before we get into it. In regards to Keanu Reeves, like, the highlight of this movie, for me, is is Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. They have so much chemistry. I love them in The Lighthouse. I'm so ready for them to be in a movie again. Like, let's just make this a recurring thing. Um, and Keanu was cast uh, in lieu of Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks, who were also considered uh, oh. two very different energies. Um, and then they cast Keanu, basically, <laughs> because they were like, he's non-threatening to women. <laughs> We Keanu like him because you is... look at him and you feel like you can trust him. He's handsome. You like <laughs> to look at him, but you're not afraid of him. And I was like, yes, this is the Keanu power. Similar to this movie, I didn't know a lot about this man until I met you. Like, I <laughs> haven't really seen anything he was in. I'm so happy anything. we're in a Keanu renaissance now. Like, that's, <laughs> it's a good time. It was so bizarre to me to see this film because 
the guy he is now, even like aesthetically to the person that he was in this film, I couldn't, in my brain, they're different people. I don't know he why. Is, like jacked in this movie. He reminds um, me a lot of what, um, in Fast and the Furious. Paul Walker? Yeah. He reminds me of Paul Walker. Like that oh, type okay. of aesthetic. Like watery, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's laughing because I'm flexing into the camera. <laughs> Yeah, so it was bizarre for me to see him in this role because I think the only other thing I've seen him in was that is I think it's a Netflix original. Oh, we saw Always Be My Maybe. Yes, is that the only thing you've seen Keanu in? Yeah, I don't think I've seen him. In oh else. man, we I've never seen like, Matrix. I've never seen like the House Boat or whatever. <laughs> the Lake House. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, we might have to do like a Keanu mini series then. Um, he does a lot of excellent romances. Oh man, okay, I, I will snap out of my Keanu reverie or we'll never go down this path, um, but like kind of like he had done My Private Idaho, uh, which is a like, modern day retelling of Henry V with River Phoenix, that's very good and very romantic and also very sad, and then he had also done Point Break right before this, have you heard of Point Break? It was poorly remade a few years ago. I've heard of it, because everyone always talks about it, I don't know what it's about, but I hear Point Break. Point Break, it's about um, adrenaline junkies who are also surfers, who are also bank robbers. And so Keanu Reeves goes undercover and, like, falls in love with Patrick Swayze. Falls in love, air quotes, Mm. but, like, also real. um, Who is the leader of this bang of gang (laughs) bank robbers. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so, like, I think this was right after Point Break. And it's it's a good follow-up, because there's, like, a a line that Jack, Keanu's character, has in the beginning of the movie. Um where he's like oh man why did I take this job and I'm like it's because you're an adrenaline junkie like Jack is such a reckless character especially in the beginning of the movie which like coming off of Point Break I can see like the whole point of Point Break is that they are are all literally Mm -hmm. adrenaline junkies and like always ready to like push the limits of what the human body is capable of and then it transitions more into like the Keanu calming authoritative energy that I know and love um and then with Sandra Bullock, like, this was one of her really early movies. Like, she had done a couple low-budget thrillers, I think, and this was a really a breakout role for her. I don't know if while you were sleeping this before or after, but it was originally supposed to be Halle Berry. Oh! Which I really liked. They had written the character, and they were like, okay, how can we justify that this woman knows how to drive a bus through traffic? And so they're going to have Halle Berry play a paramedic who's on the bus. Oh! Which I think, and as a love interest, which I think it would have been really fun. And then... Uh, she turned it down and so then they wrote it out the romance and made it just like a comic relief like buddy role where it was going to be a a driver's ed teacher played by Ellen DeGeneres which is an entirely different vibe and then they met Sandra Bullock and her and Keanu Reeves have fantastic chemistry in this movie and I, I should find some clips of the press tour for you they just clearly love being around each other so much like it's very cute there's a scene where he's being interviewed and she just walks past the camera and sees him and sneaks up behind him to hug him and he's so excited to see her it's very nice such a wonderful um energy about her and, and her and life and she's just wherever she goes i mean she really gives and wants things to be springtime so I don't know I, I've yeah. enjoyed her company immensely you know she's been fighting the the the, 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 the direction of just being like you know the, the complete damsel in distress and really and excuse us for a moment uh, 
Nice blouse. You think? That's I think it's really nice. Very cool, huh? <laughs> How are you? I'm pretty well. Okay. <sighs> Sandra Bullock is so adorable in this film. Like, the moment you meet her, you're like, Her oh. socks have little ruffles on them. I want all oh, of her clothes. She's just so... She, feel, she felt like a real person, you know? Like, mm -hmm. it felt like... And, like, she's friends with her bus driver? That's the public transit <laughs> dream. Right? <sighs> the closest we ever got to being close to a bus driver is when we found one and we called him Majestic because that was the bus route he was on and that was it. And then we got nervous every time we went on that <gasps> bus. I just transport you I back I Majestic. Oh, my God. I had completely forgotten yeah. about Majestic. <gasps> it was always so exciting when yeah. we got him as our bus driver. Because yeah. he wasn't on that road all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I went there. Deep cut. Deep cut Jenny. She gets, she gets there. I'm really happy that Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock were friends because his like was at a tough time personally for him. Uh, like, just look up Keanu Reeves. He's had a, he's a very nice person that a lot of sad know. things have happened to. Um, so, like, this is, this is right after River Phoenix had died. I think this was mm. his first movie after River Phoenix had passed. Um, and he still did the movie. I'm very happy that Sandra Bullock was there to be his friend. And he did end up rearranging some of the shooting schedule. Thank you so much for letting me talk about this. I do think it is really interesting because it does like, it's very important for me to know about what's going on behind the scenes because it does inform how I watch the mm. movies and how I like take in the performances that are happening. So apparently that they did rearrange the shooting schedule so he didn't have to do very action heavy scenes at mm. first. He could do just a lot of like character work and just like be around people mm. basically, <laughs> which is nice. Um, yeah, and I love Speed. I looked up, I love and miss Roger Ebert all the time in terms of like movie critics because I liked having a movie critic who I could always go to and really understand his voice. That like, if he didn't like a movie and I did, I could still trust his opinion because I knew what he looked for in a movie. Mm. Um, and Roger Ebert had a really fun quote where he called this a bruised forearm movie because you would go in and you would just be grabbing the arm of the person next to you for the entire movie and you would both walk out with bruised arms. Um, which I think describes this movie perfectly. Um, oh, yeah, like every moment you're like, okay, there's this. Oh no, now there's this is a problem. Okay, they got out of this, but now the gas is leaking. You're like, oh god, what's going to happen now? Like, yeah. <sighs> and so, like, suspense, suspense. Oh god, we can use the plot loosely as a framework for the rest of our discussion, but that's excuse me, that's the making speed. Um, yeah, I just like that this movie again. Like, I I talk about this all the time, but it's movies where people were were very happy to be there and very excited to work on a movie that they knew was going to be good and if it wasn't going to be good it was at least going to be fun to work on which it sounds yeah. like it was like everyone like the leads weren't super famous yet it's a first time director but they all knew what they were doing and knew what kind of movie they were in and all everyone in the cast has an excellent chemistry I was going to say like even like minor characters really shined Shine. and I wrote down that the hero of this film is the man who, the owner of that, like, convertible. That man, I, I feel so bad for him. Like, also, again, with 2020 eyes, that scene yeah. where Jack commandeers his car is terrifying. Because he, it's a black man driving a Jaguar. He gets pulled over and immediately hands up, is like, this is my car, it's not yeah. stolen. And then Keanu Reeves takes it and yeah. destroys it, so. I, like, the, but, um, like, without that character, there is no way... He saves, he saves the day. Like, he, he is, is the, the hero, hero of this movie. movie. And, but you're right, like, with the light of what's going on, or what has been going on, like, you can definitely see that as, like, 
what that person was going through in their mind was completely different and there was parts of it that was in comic relief but that's not a very comical situation to be in in real life but i loved how he was changing like as he was going he's like yeah yeah sure i got this like yeah like whatever sure <laughs> like he's he's helping keanu reeves write messages yeah. um He's like, let's Keanu take his car. He's like driving it steady so Keanu can jump onto the bus, which is a stunt Keanu did himself. Um, And, you know, we're talking about decreasing police budgets. They would have to spend a lot less if Keanu Reeves would go around and stop destroying everyone's cars. Um, But, like, okay, can we just talk about the opening of this movie also? Because I love the elevator sequence. It is so terrifying. I, one thing I would say is that the end, the beginning, like, the credits, was a, it would, took a long time to get to the credits. Like, we were, like, going down the elevator, and the font they used. Oh, my God. And it's that 90s It was CD. such reminiscent of, like, making a PowerPoint on, like, Microsoft Word, and you had, like, the word different... Yeah, the that was straight-up Word art. Oh, my straight God. was that font. And I was like, yes. Um... Yeah, with the elevator, it was very, like, what's going to happen? I don't know. Like, it exploded. And I, it was an interesting tactic of, like, they didn't tell the people in the elevator, like, what was happening. Because the people in the elevator were like, oh, it just broke down. Like, why isn't it happening? And then you realize later on the bus, the reason why you don't tell them, there is a bomb. Because that just makes people panic. They panic. <laughs> I know. And, like, in the elevator scene, too, they're like, they show up and he's like, LAPD, we're going to get you out. And everyone's like... Okay, something's up. Because why are the police here? Yeah. Um, I think it's such a good opening. Um, I also aspire to look as sexy as Keanu Reeves does when he's chewing gum. Did you notice he's chewing gum for that entire scene? I did not notice. He's chewing gum the entire time. He's chewing gum when he enters. He's chewing gum when he's like climbing the elevator shaft. He's chewing gum when he has a gun at his head. I'm just like, how do you make this look so good? But obviously not that good because you did not notice. I did not notice. Um, it's just like a whole bonus movie where they have a beginning, a middle, and end. He has a little emotional arc. Like, this movie does foreshadowing like oh, nobody else. Oh my like, God. the scenes with the, the pop quiz. Yes. What do you do? You shoot the hostage. Oh, he has a cheap gold. You get a cheap gold watch if you have a police pension. Like, it's yeah. just all these, like, they lay the groundwork so easily. I did not even clue into the cheap gold watch thing until the movie ended, and I was like, oh, that was the watch. <laughs> Um, but one thing, okay, why didn't he shoot the guy? I don't understand. He shot his friend. He mm-hmm. shot the hostage in the leg. And then the guy was walking away, Rip but Harry. he didn't shoot him. Why didn't he shoot him, though? Because then there would be no movie. Okay. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only answer I have okay. for you. And like, I guess he's, like, checking on his friend. Because he did, like, I guess his priority is, like... My, I did just shoot my friend in the leg. Don't shoot someone in the leg. In Harper's Island, someone got shot in the leg and they died in like four minutes. There's arteries Ugh. there. Don't get sh- yeah. shot in the leg. Shut up, Harry. Oh, we got all the balls in the world right here, man. Get up. You got nowhere to go. Shoot the hostage. <laughs> Say goodbye, Harry. Him and his friends and his partner's dynamic is so interesting because it's so good that you can tell I think they rip each other like they've been together forever and they kind of like, oh, I hate you. I hate you too. You're the worst. You're the worst. But okay. But I trust you. Let's do this. You know, they trust each other so much. I also, again, like spoiler alarm, 
um, always forget that his friend dies. Like, even this time, I halfway gasped. through it, I was like, oh, yeah, the friend dies. Like, I always, always forget that that happens. Because I'm just like, yeah. you got shot in the leg. Why are you going into this villain's house? I When they were doing that, I was like, why would he hide in his registered home? That is a stupid... If he's gone through all of this work to plant this bomb and have all the... Like, there's no way in hell he's just at his home. Oh, that is actually apparently another change that Joss Whedon made where originally the villain was going to be his friend. Um, oh. Because they did, they were like, oh, having a villain who's off screen, who you like don't know, isn't interesting. And Joss Whedon was like, but it's his friend. Like, no, we should just write a really good villain character. Yeah. I gasped when the thing went off. As soon as I saw it happen, I was like, no. No. And just, like, his realization, like, because he knows bombs and he sees it, and it's just, like, there's not enough time to get out, and then everybody dies. Yeah, when they were trying to figure out the bomb on the bus and his friend was helping him through. Have you ever seen those, like, playthroughs of the bomb defusal game on YouTube? No. Oh, of course you haven't. You don't watch YouTube, but there's this game that you pretty much, like... I have been watching a YouTuber lately. She does makeup and true crime. Anyway. Oh, what a fun dynamic that is right um and i don't usually like either of those things but together they're good <laughs> there's a uh, so what this game is is that there's one person it can be in vr or it's just a game but they can only see and there's a bomb and there's usually you can m- pick how many different modules and everything there are and there's someone else who can't see the bomb and they have like a stack like a huge stack of paper that is like different things for the bomb like there's wires there's buttons there's glyphs and everything and so the person has to describe what the bomb looks like, and this person has to, like, go through and try to figure it out. The McElroy brothers have done it on po- on Polygon. Um, oh, okay. And I've, I've watched, like, the Game Grubs do it. I've watched, like, a bunch of people do it online, and it, it just reminded me of that. I was like, oh, my God, me and Emma, I feel like we'd be so bad at this because we would both be too stressed but calm in the situation, but be, like, I don't know who would be better at looking at the bomb versus who would be better at looking at the, the manual, but we would not be good. <laughs> I feel like what we would be good at is, if this this is not a trend anymore, but the beginning of quarantine, you would like put a paper on someone's back and draw something and then they have to draw what you're drawing on their back. Did you see those videos? We are 100% digressing yes. now. I feel like we would be good at that. Yes. 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 I think that's where our skill set lies. Yeah. Um, and he's back to speed. Like, I just think that the elevator sequence is so exciting. And again, like this movie does a really good job of like, giving you a really good handle on all these different characters like the elevator ones aren't nearly as developed as people you have on the bus later on but like you have the woman who's really scared you have the people who like you can like feel their panic and it's all understandable even as you're watching you're like just calm down like you're making everything worse by panicking but you totally understand why and the woman like loses her shoe it's (laughs) yeah i good i try to think what type of person i would be in these types of situations and I've never been in as an intense situations as those have, but I know usually in places of panic or something, I'm like oddly calm, which is strange. I am the woman who loses her shoe. I, <laughs> when I was on a school trip, no, like literally when I was on a school trip in high school, we were in, overseas and we were at, uh, it was like a, you had to do a, a World War history course and then you mm. would go to Europe. Um, and we were at our Remembrance Day ceremony and there was a bomb scare. <laughs> Oh no! Um, and so, and then someone just started screaming, and then people knocked over all the gates. You just hear a man. It's during the minute of silence. Scream, knock over everything, and then the thousands of people are there. 
everyone starts running and I feel so bad about this but I straight up was like grabbed my one friend and my dad was there also and I still just was like gone <laughs> um and then my shoe fell off because I was wearing flat ballet flats and then I was like and then I looked up and I was like okay people are calming down I need to go find my shoe oh um you legit yeah. would lose your shoe <laughs> I legit am the person who just runs and loses her shoes I I feel I'm someone that is very calm and collected and then everything works out even though i panic for everyday things big things i'm usually really calm until after the fact until it's over and then i break down but getting me through it it's fine so you're a sandra bullock i'm a sandra bullock i would in panic i will still use the turn signal on the bus because it's safety and it's important <laughs> yes okay so he gets on the bus you have the excellency his friend gets shot but they like save the day. They thank Dennis Hopper, who is so creepy. Okay, also Dennis Hopper when he takes Jeff Daniels hostage and pulls him up by his nose. Ugh. I hate that scene so much. And then his nose starts bleeding because he pulls out. It's so gross. And then the bus stuff starts happening. Yes. So the whole premise is that after this bus goes past fifty miles per hour, the bomb is activated, and as soon as they go under fifty, then the bomb goes off. That's the whole premise. Um, okay, actually, one more thing. Before he gets on the bus, before he finds out about the bomb threat, the bo- not bomb threat, there's a literal bomb, um, he goes to a plate, a coffee shop, and orders what must be a latte, and I hated watching the barista make his latte, because it's literally like he steams the milk so badly, and then just pours it all in. I'm like, there's so much air in there. Like, that, like he literally just like, oh, I was like, I'm so angry right As someone who worked at this barista I know, for a bit, you're like, how dare years. you? Um, and I'm just like, I know it was the 90s, I know we didn't have the same standards, I know people didn't know what lattes were yet, but this is bad. <laughs> like, just have him, like, why do you have him making a point of him pouring a latte? Like, just have him pour a cup of coffee, it's fine. But also I like the Jack who's a latte man, because I'm a latte person. Oh, same. And then, so he, at, at this coffee shop, and then a, uh, one of his friends who's just a bus driver's bus explodes, and then a payphone rings, and I was like, oh, payphones. Oh, oh, oh my god, I didn't realize that he was friends with the bus driver. I didn't realize that's who got on the bus. <gasps> yeah, because they oh, were, like, talking no. at, like, same time, because they know. get coffee at the same time every day. Oh, no. And then the payphone goes off, and then, first of all, I wouldn't answer a payphone if a bomb just exploded. My last thing would be, like, I should answer that payphone. <laughs> I know, I'm like, you just pick up the phone? Also, I forget, I always forget that there was time when, like, cell phones weren't just, like, everyone had them. Yeah. So, like, the amount of times like, in this movie when they have to, like, patch in different calls from different things, I'm like, man, this would be so much easier so if you had cell phones. <laughs> uh, I know. Like, this movie is not trying to make a statement about the LAPD or about, like, the morality of the 24-hour news cycle, but it does, like, oh, it does say though. some things. Like, the amount of, that they show how the media is not good. Yeah, like, the media's coverage of this scene, you're like, this is an active crime that's happening? Back off. Exactly. Like, it makes me kind of think of, like, the amount of times that we have, yeah, like, the 24-hour news cycle of, like, we keep seeing stuff happening, they're searching, all these things are happening. The people who are on go, like, doing the crime, they use that to their advantage. And even the villain says, this is, like, interactive TV, and it's like, oh my god. It means that, like, people's families are finding out about stuff happening yeah. before they have a chance. Like, they're finding about it on the news. It's terrifying. But then we get onto the bus, then Sandra Bullock arrives. The amount of times people, like, just barely, like, get on this bus. Like, she just gets on the bus. That woman just got on the elevator. I'm like, I, I made a pact that one time I bailed hard chasing the bus with you that I don't chase buses no more. Because if I... <laughs> 
<laughs> it was so brutal. Dear listeners, it was so brutal. There was so much blood. She still went to the play we were going to. She did bleed everywhere. It was I went, my whole body wild. went into shock because I thought the bus also hit me and I couldn't move and I had to take <laughs> off my jacket because I was like so warm. I thought I was dying. <laughs> She was and really sweaty. She does. That's past us. I'm sorry for laughing. I just remember I can like picture me running behind you and then seeing you fully in the air. <laughs> she tripped and your whole body, your whole body was in the air. Just soaring. I'm sweating. Oh my god, it's so awful. The pavement turned to gravel too quickly, and I just beefed it so hard. <laughs> just bailed so and then we went hard. to the Don't theater, and you're like, "Did you guys have first aid? My friend is injured." They're like, "Yeah, we may have a bed," and I just showed them white scars. And I like, know. Oh I, went, I ran ahead, and I was like, "I need band aids." You're like, "Your knees are bleeding. You got like blood on your face. Your hands are bleeding." Man, it's very dramatic. But oh, that God, was one of the best plays I ever seen. Also. The power of women in a woman's washroom is astounding. <gasps> Everyone was like, here's something, here's a wet nap I have, here's a band-aid I have. Here's some polyspore. <laughs> I was like, oh man, yes. Women in bathrooms. The womanhood of women. Okay, but Sandra Bullock did run for the bus, and in this case, everyone on that bus is lucky, because she's on, like, a first-name basis with the bus driver, yes. she takes the bus every day. This is another very Joss Whedon moment, where she starts driving the bus, and she's like, you're a cop, you should know I don't have my license. Yeah, yeah. I lost it because of speeding. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Poor bus um, driver getting shot. <laughs> I love Sam the bus driver so much. Like, as soon as Keanu gets in the bus, and it's like, there's a bomb on the bus, we can't, like, he just immediately, like, sh- like, this is not your responsibility, this is nowhere in your job description, he immediately is like, okay, I gotta keep these people safe. Yes. Also, says some things about gun control, because, like, don't play a hero if someone has a gun, Keanu, this guy thinks he is about to be arrested, so he pulls a gun on, I keep calling him Keanu, on Jack, mm-hmm. and someone else decides to tackle him, and I'm like, do not no. escalate the situation. No. Gun control, good. Do not tackle someone with a gun. It will end badly. It will end with your bus driver getting shot, even though there's a bomb on your bus. Yeah. Now listen. I don't care about your crime. Whatever you did, I'm sure that you're sorry. So it's cool now. It's over. I'm not a cop right now. See? We're just two cool guys just hanging out. There's also like just this old couple on the bus that were like pretty chill the whole time. And I'm like, man, they've seen some shit. <laughs> they're just they like through they're it. like, this is fine. This <laughs> is Oh my god. And Beth Grant as Helen, the woman who panics. Oh yeah. this is a Beth Grant fan cast. Like, I love that actress. She appears in everything and she plays rude, she plays cruel, she plays terrified, she plays, like, every heightened emotion so well. Because, yeah, there's the scene where they they negotiate to at least get the bus driver off, because another rule was that no one was allowed to leave the bus. Um, but he was mm-hmm. shot, and he needed help, so they're like, yeah, that would be fine. So they had, like, the rest of the police, like, going beside them, and the woman sees the bus driver get off, and she's like, I'm going to make, I'm going to get off, too. Like, I am terrified, like, she saw her out, but, um... And Sandra Bullock's trying to pull her back. It's yeah. so scary. And there was a bomb by the 
the door, not the main bomb, but a different bomb. And yeah, she fell down and died. Um, it's so awful. Uh, um, just like to be a person on that bus, like you, you get like you do meet like four or five of the passengers actually like get names and like characters, but yeah. everyone on that bus like are people you would see on public transit and. Like, they do this little, everyone does this little gasp, because they're all freaked out already when Jack jumps on the bus, because they don't know what's happening. They just see this man chasing down a car in a convertible, see the convertible crash, and suddenly he's on the bus, and he tells them there's a bomb, and everyone does this little horrified moan, and it's so good. Uh. It's such a real reaction of, like, there's, like, one person who screams, people who are just silent, people who are like, oh my god, and gasping and moaning. It's, like, such a good assortment of human reactions. Yes. If you want to see humanity, go on a public bus. Yeah, that is diverse and as real as you can get to society is being on a public transit bus <laughs> and all these people like going into the city and like it seems like it's pretty early in the morning so all these people have different things they're going to there's someone who's a tourist there's someone who's going to get her license renewed there's probably people going for a job that like stories and life <sighs> on just one vehicle going to the one place it's really I know it's really good um, and just, like, so Sam the bus driver gets shot and is pulled away, or not pulled away, they, like, take him, get permission to take him away from, I don't even know what his name is, Howard? The villain's name is Howard, I think. Dennis Hopper, very creepy at his Den Dennis Hopperiest. Yes. Um, and Sandra Bullock is so good. Like, she, she's you in this situation where she is really calm and then something happens and you can just see how she is barely holding it together. Yeah. Like, her friend gets killed and she's just crying because she's like, I'm sad, but I'm also so relieved that we're not oh, dead. Yeah. That and like the scene survival's where they... guilt of like, mm -hmm. oh my God. And just like, there's so much, your brain is so, is running at all speeds. And the scene where she hits the baby carriage, like oh. it's the most ridiculous scene where a woman is just toddling into the street with a baby carriage. Yeah. And she hits it, and then she freaks out, understandably. Like, I, she's, she, like, hands off the wheel, Keanu has to reach over her and drive it. I love, yeah, and then it's just filled with cans, because this woman is okay. Yeah. But I love the physical chemistry that Keanu and Sandra Bullock have, because, like, he, they are, as soon as they start talking to each other, like, he just does such a good job of being someone who... Like, it's kind of like a Jake Peralta type. Like, he does care mm. about his job. He does care about the showboating. But ultimately, he does really care about people. So he is, like... Uh, the villain will make jokes about how Harry, his friend, is the smart one. But Keanu... Or Jack. They're just the same person. But Jack <laughs> is smart. Like, he's really good at noticing. Like, he sees people who are nervous. And he will stop and check in with them and say, like, Are you okay? Like, it's I don't know if it's going to be alright. But, like, just listen to me. We'll get through it. And he's always checking in with Annie, Sandra Bullock's character. And, like... When she's freaking out, he leans over and grabs the wheel, and she hits her head at one point, and he, like, pulls off his shirt and just starts dabbing yeah. her forehead. Um, they just, like, work so well together. Like, that scene where they actually start introducing each other and talking is just such a relief of, like, okay, we're people. We can get through this because we're not, we're people. He's mm. seeing, the villain seeing you as pawns as a way to obtain money and a weird vengeance, and yes. Keanu Reeves, Jack, is able to see everyone on that bus as a person who needs help. Oh, exactly. And it's, you kind of see this, like, group of people, like, there's a scene when they kind of, like, start escalating and kind of being upset with each other, and 
they kind of get like humbled of being like, okay, no, we're in this together. This is exactly what they want is for us to fight and be intense and like, no, like we're in this situation. It sucks. We all know it sucks. We're all in different places. Just because you have a wife doesn't mean that my life is less valuable. Mm -hmm. Just because you have, that doesn't mean that we all have value in our life and we need to get through this together. Like, there's no mm-hmm. point in comparing. It's just we need to care for each other in this moment because we're all going through it. And you talked about that scene, too. So Keanu, Jack, <laughs> Jack pulls up the, the hatch in the bus and he's looking under the bus as it's speeding down this, this empty freeway. Alan Rook's character has the phone and they're relaying. He's like, okay, just tell my friend who knows about bombs everything that I'm saying. And what I like in that is that, like, it's a very human response in that the man on the phone, Alan Ruck, isn't repeating everything he says verbatim. He's, like, shortening it, because Keanu Reeves, Jack, <laughs> is, Jack Travers, is just saying things, like, as he notices them, and then this other character is able to, like, turn it into an actual sentence of useful information. It's a very human thing to be like, okay, let me be your, let me be your translator, yes. and then the scene, too, where he swears, and oh, darn. Oh, darn. Yeah. Uh... I I liked that that like the tourists when they're like they arrive at the airport. He's like, ah, oh, what? I already seen the airport. It's like, dude, stop! You're not a tourist he's right now. <laughs> I in an okay. He's I love also that he's taking pictures the entire time. Like yeah. when the, the police are driving alongside and they're passing off this bleeding bus driver, he's just like, Crick. and so in an ideal world, the closing credits for this movie are just like him getting his photos developed and oh you just like God. see all the pictures and then it just switches to like him at Disneyland, him at the Hollywood sign, <laughs> him on Rodeo Drive. Yeah, an exploding plane. <laughs> like just all the things. Also I really like the really strong tall man on the bus. Ortiz. Yes. He's just like he helps out wherever he can and like I got you. I'm like, yeah, you do. I trust this man. Oh my god. Okay, so, like, and we talked about it a little bit before, like, this movie is just so relentless in a good way of mm. just nonstop. Okay, he's trying to get to the bus before it gets over 50. He can't do that. So he gets on the bus. Then, um, they have to get through traffic. Then they manage to, they have to make this really sharp turn so they can get onto an empty highway that's close for construction. And then they make the turn and then they realize that it's under construction. So they have to do a 50 foot jump, which Mythbusters did do is physically impossible. I don't care. And then they manage to get to the, they manage to get to the airport and drive around the tarmac, but one of the tires gets punctured. So it's like losing rubber and it just keeps going. Um, And yeah, and then Keanu like almost dies. So he has to like stab the bus to not fall, but he stabs the gas tank and now the gas is going away. You're like, I love that scene. I love that scene. So he's like trying to disarm the bus and then everything goes wrong. He's like clinging to this gas tank. He's clinging on. And then Ortiz, this big strong guy is like going in and everyone's like holding on to his feet so he can reach for Jack and Keanu Reeves face in it. Yeah. He's like, give me my tools. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. And Keanu, or Jack is, <laughs> they're the same person in my brain. <laughs> Jack is so panicked in that. Like he is this very much this hot shot, rough and tough, can do anything like, doesn't mm. believe in his own mortality police officer, and then you see him under this bus when he's trapped, and he knows he could get crushed under the wheel, and Sandra Bullock, Annie, is freaking out because she doesn't want to run over him, so she has people at the back being like, did I hit him? Is he out? Yeah. What's happening? And then you, ha- it reminds me of that scene in Iron Man 3, 
uh, I think it's Iron Man 3, where uh, everyone falls out of the plane and only three people have parachutes, and so he manages, he's just flying around and he manages to get everyone to, like, hold hands so that everyone can be safe, and that's what the bus reminds me of. It's like, you, like you said, it's this moment where these people realize we are in a wild situation, but we are in it together, and the only way we can get through it is if we work together. We have this incredibly capable police officer, we have this incredibly beautiful, charming, smart talented woman at the bus wheel driving seat um but we need to help too oh yeah because they i think they also have a line of they're like why us why is why us specifically and sometimes that that question can't be answered because there isn't an answer Mm -hmm. it's just you have to just deal with what is happening right Mm -hmm. go to speed for all my deepest philosophical questions to be answered (laughs) um also the like um, I just love Jack as a character so much where they pull him out from under the bus and Ortiz who saved his life is like oh you got a real set of balls and he just says that's gross Ortiz <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like he's like what I'm trying to give you a compliment it's like no stop um, I'm like I love this movie like this movie again like I just love action movies I love movies that make you care about all of the people even when you are in extreme only happens in a movie circumstances and this movie does that in spades and so like then you have the scene where like we said uh his friend who has previously been shot why are you back on active duty goes to the bomber's house and dies and the scene where he finds out his friend is dead is also really good mm-hmm. um i really like sandra Bullock in it because like they've had all these things happen and through it all Jack has been unflappable and like you see all these people and it's so moving of like oh my god I just want them to be okay and you see Jack talking to them with this very authoritative voice of like what they have to do I'm mean, he's willing to try everything and then he finds out that his friend has died and he's just freaking out yeah. and then you've got Sandra Bullock like we are really scared and we need you and it just cuts to him standing up and you see everyone on the bus watching him and he's just holding Sandra Bullock's hand yeah it's good it's good <laughs> yeah it's their dynamic is quite interesting um you can definitely tell that they do have chemistry just like the way that they interact with each other pretty much like off the bat even like the introduction is her being like hey stop you're stressing people out stop yelling and he's like this is not the time she's like there will be a time <laughs> like there will be a time and then she calms him down and gets him to stop yeah. yelling once he like they're good they work they were a good team and they get they manage to figure out that Oh my god, like, I love how smart he is. Again, he's just very observational. He can tell when people are are afraid or scared, and he figures out that the surveillance camera on the bus is what's giving them away, so he gets them to loop the footage so they can get everyone off the bus. Like, he's a smart, he's a smart cookie. Yeah. I like how, like, obvious they are when they're, like, relationships built off of, like, extreme circumstances never work out. Like, they're aware of, like, this is... But they just, like, and I love the first time she says that, he's gotten her off the bus, so you think the movie is ending. It is not. There is another 30 minutes. It's like watching, um, he like, gets her off the bus. How to Get Away with Murder season one, where you're like, there's still five minutes left, guys. Something's gonna happen. Something's <laughs> gonna happen. And then she gets off the bus, and she just starts ugly crying. Yeah. And it's so good. Like, then they start flirting, and she feels a little bit better, and just the way that he, 
Keanu Reeves looks at Shanda Broglie, Jack looks at Annie. You're like, this relationship isn't going to work out, but I don't care because you two are so good right now. Yeah, I I kind of go back and forth with, like, approving the relationship and not approving the relationship, but, I mean, like, the fact that I sometimes do is, like, unique for me because I usually never agree with the relationships of these things. So, at least there's a little bit, because on one side of me, I'm like, yes, they have good chemistry and they're really cute. And you can see it working. And on the other side of me, I'm like, okay, like, this is an extreme situation. Your life is in his hands. So, like, that's kind of a weird dynamic in a way, like, with having power over her. I don't know. I, that, that part doesn't bother me too much because, like, she is also the one who, like, takes charge to start driving the bus. So, like, he's the one who knows what's going on, but he's also the pers- she's also the person that he is confiding in and, like, giving updates to, and they would be screwed without her. So, like, he has to trust yeah. her to to drive the bus and to be able to manage all these different personalities. Like, they, they really lean on each other mm. in that, like, hour or so where they are trapped. Was it only an hour they were together? Like, I have no idea of the time. I have no idea how long. Like, it, prob- it probably wasn't in real time. So, like, however long they're on the bus mm. for, like, the hour that we see them. It's so intense. And like you said, like, they, they're very aware of, like, our adrenaline is going crazy yeah. and you're hot. Yeah, I'm always like, this um, is not the time. You should do it, but also at the same time, like, this is also the only time. So. <laughs> it's the only time. <laughs> oh, God. And then you have the fake-out ending. Do you want to talk about that? I have just been going on and on about the fake this. fake-out Well, they thought, they're like, plot. oh, the guy doesn't know, but then he finds out that the loop was, like, the loop of um, on the bus was wrong. So then he finds that out, and then he gets Sandra B, and I'm like, as soon as Sandra walked out of the ambulance, I was like, are you kidding me? Stay in the car. Are you kidding Honey, me right do now? not. Do not. Um, anywho, it brings him down to the subway, and then she's stuck there, and he continues and tries to get her, and the guy, like, he has, like, his money, but then it explodes with, like, the ink tablet die pack yeah and it's like and then he's upset and then he they try to attack and then his head gets cut off and then it's very gross uh, you don't see anything it's just gross knowing that it happens yeah it was like the least grossest thing ever i was like wow that was very smooth and efficient (laughs) um and then in classic speed fashion um the uh, the tube that they're on the track is under construction and it's not complete (laughs) <laughs> because of course Classic. and Classic. but sandra what's her character's name annie annie annie. <laughs> annie but annie is handcuffed to a pole and they can't get a pole off i just love that scene so much they're both just they're trying so hard and they're so panicked because like he's he's gonna pull the emergency brake they're gonna be okay he gets the bomb off of her yeah and then realizes he doesn't have the key and she's she's crying and telling him to just jump and he's like kicking at the pole and trying to get it off and it's so panicking you're just like these people have been through so much and they're just so horny for each other let them make out Uh, before the end part i was like it's like 2020 when there's just so much is happening and nothing's going away until you got to the end part of that it's like well for some people maybe speed is the perfect movie for this year it makes you look for the deeper messages and also it's just an extremely relevant parable to our our lives yeah you're like okay we got this okay now this other thing's happening Okay, now this, and you're just exhausted. Um, anywho, twenty twenty ends with me making out with Keanu Reeves. It's gonna be a good year overall. I, it's gonna be a net win I, for me. I mean, that would be so bizarre now, wouldn't it? 
Like, imagine. He's got a girlfriend, actually, now. I don't want to break that okay. up. Okay, that's good. That's very responsible of you. Um, Thank you, I try. So in, in classic <laughs> speed fashion, they speed up. I don't know why they sped up, but they did. Because he has to get, he's, he has to get over the tracks that they, like, can, I don't, I don't know. I don't, he knew. Okay. He knew. And <laughs> Which is what so they crash, and then they, they survive, and then that is the end of the film. And so, like, we basically just did a really long plot summary, but, like, I, Speed was definitely one of those movies, because it was on TV all the time, I assume everyone has seen at least 20 minutes of it. It's, like, the Sunday afternoon movie. It's the Saturday afternoon movie. And very exciting to me that you hadn't seen it before, yeah. because I love action movies so much, and so you are not an action person but you still enjoyed it, yes? Yes, yes, I did. I, I need to start asking you overall if you enjoyed things before <laughs> we start talking well, for an hour. It's not that I don't like action films. I just have to be in a certain mood to watch action films. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times action films have a certain level of suspense or, like, goriness or, like, scariness that, like, I just can't, I can't with. Um, but, no, I really, I did really enjoy this film. It gave me, like, a, a weird sense of nostalgia, even though I've never seen it. And I think it was because of, it was filmed in the 90s, and we are 90s babies. Annie's outfits are so 90s, yes. and they're so cute. Like I mentioned, she's got the little ruffled socks, she's got an oversized sweater, she's got a little sundress, she's got big shoes. She's so, so cute. Right? Um, and I think it's also, like, the film quality is 90s. Like, it reminded me of, like, Ferris Bueller, or, like, having that type of film- mm -hmm look to it you, you can you know when you can tell it's an older film i do i own this movie on dvd it is a full screen dvd <laughs> exactly and i almost felt like oh man this would be a cool like vhs like i could definitely see like yes. having this as a I also VHS, have vhs because i love vhs's and it's good um it's definitely something that you need to be paying attention to and like you need to be invested the entire time um i watched it and i was a little bit tired and so I was like, I'll just watch it. And I was like, oh my god, I can't. There was no rest for your brain when you watch this. However, once you finish watching it, once you've seen it completely, this is such a good movie to have on in the background, though. It, but you have right? to be attentive and focused the first time because so much happens. But after that, like, this is definitely a movie you can, like, just put on. Um, I mean, you can't stream it anywhere. I, I rented it to watch. It used to be on Netflix, I know. Um, but... Um, like just having it on and like doing other things, having the background, just like a lazy morning. Like it's such a good thing. Cause no matter what you do, you look up, there'll be action happening and it will be like intense. It's not like I can look away because like, it's kind of boring. It's like, no, you can look up and there'll be something happening. You'll have your favorite moments and you can look at it. And no, I enjoyed it. It's just, it's so much fun. I like it so much. So, uh, Star Trek Chase, out of how, out of, out of five flaming buses, how many flaming buses would you rate this movie? <laughs> okay, so, out of five, I rated it a four. Yes, that is, that is exactly where speech should live. That is the range that speech yes. should live. I, I was, yes! it was kind of in a range between, like, 3.5 and four, and I think, because I just been, ha I had a headache, and it was kind of, I was tired, like, I was like, oh, this just keeps going, but then after I watched it, I was like, man, that just has, like, a like a weird like feel good like I could just watch this again if I wanted to type feeling to it's it. just a fun like you can watch it again like I said like I've never I've seen it so many times in my life and actually in true to my early relationship with speed fashion my wi-fi did keep cutting out last night so I ended up watching the last 30 minutes the third act 
this morning before <laughs> work, like 6.30 a.m. Nice. Um, and then watching it again, at parts again in the afternoon when I was technically supposed to be working. It's fine. Um, and so I was like, you know, it feels, it feels good. It feels organic to be watching this in chunks. But Speed is a movie you can just always watch. Like I said, I always forget that his friend dies. And there's even things, like, I always forget about stuff that happens in the elevator shaft and... This movie just keeps going. There's yeah. so much. It's it's such like a like a classic example of like an action film in my mind. Like mm-hmm. '90s action film. Like I watched the trailer and like the guy's voice is like the classic like trailer voice and everything. And I'm like, oh, bring me back. It also has a really terrible end credit song where they're just like singing the word speed really loudly. It's so bad. Yeah. So the end credit song was bad. The opening credit song was bomb though i loved it it was such like a cinematic masterpiece like i was so hyped even though it was way too long i was super hyped because i love like movie scores i'm like yeah this is fun not for its score i think it was also nominated for three academy awards and won two it was nominated for best film editing sound mixing and sound editing and it won both sound oscars nice that's that on that that's that on that yeah, like, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. This is just, I love, I love action movies, and I'm not ashamed. You wouldn't think I'm ashamed if you've ever heard me talk about movies. I talk about action movies all the time, <laughs> but, like, people just don't appreciate well-put-together genre films enough. I, and, I agree. Um, and then there's also a sequel, Speed to Cruise Control, um, which the best thing to come out of that movie is Hope Floats, because that's the only reason Sandra Bullock did it. <laughs> I will say, in Speed 2 Cruise Control, the Jaguar Man comes back, you see him on a boat, and then his boat gets commandeered by Sandra Bullock's new boyfriend, and the same thing happens to him. So justice for this Jaguar driver man. Yeah. He is the real hero. Where is his medal? Actually. You have a hair trigger aimed at your head. What do you do? What do you do? Speed. Get ready for rush hour. Um, do you have an activity for me? I do, now I, I have an activity for you, so like I said, the main thing I really love about this movie is Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves' chemistry, mm-hmm. so I love Annie, I love Jack, I think they have such a good sexual tension, romance, whatever you want to call it, like, I mean, the sequel proof, they don't stay together, in my mind, if you're at together, they end up the chemistry, you're together forever, um, <laughs> but they probably wouldn't be, but that's okay, that's okay, um, but do you have any favorite romantic couple that from a movie or a tv show where their their romantic relationship is not the driving force of the plot it's not a rom-com or a romantic drama yeah or there it is not a romance centric film like there mm. is a romance in it but that's not the driving force of the plot like what is yeah your favorite example of that um so the first thing that popped in my mind was in charlie's angels natalie and pete Cameron Diaz, right? Yes, Cameron Diaz. Oh my god. Yes. So adorable. Oh, it's so good. And it's so pure, and like, it's, like you said, it's not a part, like, it's, it has a plot point, but it's not the main plot, and just like, she just meets him, and she just can't stop laughing, and the other girls are like, what are you doing? She's like, I have a date, and she's super excited, and then she goes on a date, and she dances a lot, and he's just like, so in awe of her dancing, and then like, she's like, finding all these bad guys, and then she gets a call, she's like, it's Pete, oh my god, and Bob's just like, oh, hi, Pete, like, and he's like, stuck in a gel, like, help me, she's like, hi, Pete, and then they smash her phone, she's like, I really like that guy, <laughs> and it's just, and they end up together, <sighs> and they're just so adorable. That is a perfect example. I was trying to think of some. I have so many examples, none that I can pull on right now, so I will just say Annie and Jack. 
Um, but also any movie I talk about ever is probably because there's a romantic couple in it that I really like. Yeah. I love romance. The other one I was thinking of was like, um, but it's, it's a pretty intense driving force in the movie is Elizabeth and Will Turner in the Pirates <gasps> movies. Yeah. Like that's pretty central oh. to the plot, but it's still like pretty good. It's so good. Oh, I just love movies. I love cinema. Ah, oh, same. I love film. I love action. That's all we have for you today. And that's all she wrote, folks. This has been this Times episode. Do you want to do your spiel? <laughs> oh my god, I always forget about this. Juicy crest, Jiminy Crickets. Mm. Um, hi, you can follow us on Tumblr at hihopodcast.tumblr.com. You can follow us on Twitter at hihopodcast. And Jenny and I don't have personal social media because it scares us. Um, and we keep it on lock. So don't find us anywhere. <laughs> um, you can also email us at hihopodcast.gmail.com. And remember... To like what you like, your opinion is valid. As long as it's the same as mine. Bye! (laughs)